I had a wonderful uh, afternoon in this beautiful weather, and I go, that's why people live in California. <laughs> Forget about that, how amazing the weather can actually be down here. But uh, more so than that, it's been a joy and, and fellowshipping with you guys and talking with you. And, um, you know, it's an exciting time to be alive, I think. And as much as we get annoyed at the craziness that's happening in, around the world around us, just keep in mind the perspective that we are about to witness, if we have not witnessed already, some pretty amazing things happen in our world. And hopefully that gives you joy that we're going home soon. Um, as I was really thinking about what do I present to you guys I really have a passion, and um, as I've traveled around quite a bit this last year, um, and this coming into the end of the year, um, there's a lot of, uh, of schools and, and people that have invited us over this last year to come and chat with them, specifically talking about the media topics. A lot of people spend time in the holiday season watching movies, their home, Entertainment seems to come back in in a mighty way. And so um, I chose to kind of put together a collage of these ideas that our ministry has been working on over the years because I'm telling you, we need to pray for our young people like there's no tomorrow. I have thought that over the course of 10 years, that I've traveled around enough to our schools enough times and put enough information out and with the way that the internet is, you would think that more and more people would be getting these concepts and maybe steering clear from it. And I almost am sad to report that it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. So I wanted to share this message with you, not as um, some of you have already seen a lot of the things that our ministry has said so some of this might be a slight review in some of these things, but I want to put it together because I really honestly believe, be careful what you watch. And you can be a voice of change for those around you, whether you have grandkids, whether you share information, whether this topic comes up with somebody and go, hey, guys, you, you hear, you know in your sphere of influence, if I were to just ask the question, do you know people around you that watch common entertainment or common movies? All of you would probably say yes. Even in my own sphere of, of influence around us, I'm constantly bombarded with this. So if that is the case, Hopefully, this will give you a context of, once again, the reason why, why we don't watch these things. And then also, this is the message that the world is getting. So we need to double down on presenting the right message to those around us. And the message of God loving us, because at an alarming level, the devil is attacking and he's using Hollywood to attack against God's character. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's pray.
Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I know some of these things that are being presented. Maybe there's people in this room that have never seen some of these things, and so I ask for protection upon our eyes, but also, Lord, help this to be um, something that is a tool in our belt that we, as we're going around and witnessing to those around us or our family members, um, that, that we can help them not get distracted by this as well. So we need to know a little bit about some of these topics. So help us to understand those things. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me read something to you that Mrs. White um, penned for us. She said that we should study the nature and character and the extent of spiritual wickedness in high places, lest we become dupes by the powers of darkness. But how difficult it is to awaken minds to realize the continual activity and great earnestness of our wily foe, notwithstanding the warnings and cautions of the Bible and the experience of many who have been overthrown by his subtlety. What you're going to see tonight is not subtle. What you're going to see is quite in your face. But... We should not be ignorant of those things. There are many young people today that are completely confused by this topic, completely baffled by, well, I know the truth. I go to church. I've read my Bible. I understand between good and evil. Why is this making a difference or why is this matter? Well, I really do believe that movies and things that we watch are no different than a sermon. And what the Bible's trying to teach you and what a pastor is trying to teach you is they're giving you a worldview. How do you dress? How do you walk? How do you talk? How should your relationships be? Those kind of things are things that you're learning when you come into a church environment or you study the Bible for yourself. But you know what? The world is doing that same thing. Instead of telling you you should be in a marriage context before you engage in certain marital activities, the world says, no, you can do that with anybody you want. You don't have to be in that. You can dress like this. You, if somebody wrongs you, you can, you can um, revenge them like this. It's telling you a different worldview than what the Bible is teaching you. And so many people don't look at it like that, but if you begin to look at those pieces of entertainment around you, it's no different than what a sermon is trying to do. It's just the opposite end of the spectrum. So I hope you look at it kind of like that. Um, we talked a little bit about love today. The Bible uh, describes this is really what it's all about, right? In fact, John says this in 5, 2, and 3, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Last night I brought up a couple concepts about, you know, the original war in, in, in heaven began heavily over attacking God's law. We don't want God's law. We don't need to listen to God's law. Angels are holy and they don't need to subscribe to this kind of thing. That's what happened in heaven. But you can see those same concepts popping up in our modern media again and again and again. So I wanted to just bring your mind back to this. It's always been about the commandments because the commandments are really how do we love each other and how do we love God? And that's how, that, how the whole entire government of God is set up. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says, um, 
when it was asked of Jesus, you know, well, what, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law of the prophets hang upon these two commandments. Everything that you are learning in the Bible should be framed in that concept. How does this interact with your love of God? And how does this interact with your love with each other? The reason why I'm beginning to frame this conversation in your mind in this way is because if movies are attacking God, well, how does that fit into my paradigm of the law of God? As a young person, and they say, well, I know the truth, but why, why does it matter if I want to go and watch this movie? Well, why would you want to watch a movie that's attacking God? Does that make sense? If part of the entire conversation is that we're supposed to love God and love each other, why would you want to watch something that teaches you to hate God or feel like he's the enemy or even worse if we are fighting against each other? So you have to look at almost every single thing that you have in your life in this context. Ephesians 6.1 talks about the role of children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obedience and doing what God is set up in a natural order of things is one of those concepts. Now, I'm going to give you a kind of overarching thing that I've learned about Disney over the years. Disney is very good about framing the conversation of love. And it wants you to think of you know, this idea between a princess and a prince as this is a loving situation. But if you really kind of digest what it is that a lot of these Disney concepts bring up, it's really when you're presented with the idea of following your heart or following rules, what if your heart tells you to do something like break the rules? What do you do with that? And Disney is very good about branding this idea over and over and over again, follow your heart over following the rules. So I'm going to show you this particular concept that comes up again and again and again in many Disney films, and you're going to see it in a little bit of a collage here about following your heart. Say the rules must stay the same forevermore. Open the gates! I have to try this my way. Maybe it's time to start following your heart. A dream is a wish your heart makes. The dream that you wish will come true. Where am I? This is the Great Hall of Judgment. Judgment? Welcome to doing whatever you wish. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? I can open your eyes. A whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no or where to go. Really gonna marry this 
fairy prince? Yes. <laughs> well, then follow your heart. Yeah. Shun do impossible things if you follow your heart. Nothing is impossible if you follow your heart. Understand. Listen with your heart. You will understand. Us closer, not apart. When we speak our minds and listen with our hearts. And give her the courage to follow her heart. Your only duty is to the Emperor. But I have another duty to my heart. Your duty was to stay home, but your heart told you to break the rules. How did you decide between duty and heart? By following my feelings, I wound up doing the right thing. I guess I learned that my duty is to my heart. My duty is to my heart. Yes, that makes sense. That's marvelous. Thank you, Babylon. Thank you. Write our own story. Follow our hearts. The Croods made it because of my dad. He was strong and he followed the rules. The ones painted on the cave walls. Anything new is bad. Curiosity is bad. Going out at night is bad. Basically anything fun is bad. Welcome to my world. But now we know the Croods will make it because we changed the rules. The ones that kept us in the dark. When life gets me down, I play my guitar. The rest of the world may follow the rules, but I must follow my heart. You know what's crazy, right? To help my family, I gotta leave it. To fix the law, I gotta break You'll it. You'll be great. Whether it's fair or not, that's the law. The law should be fair. What are we teaching our kids? Disney on Ice presents Follow Your Heart. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. So. You obviously get the ridiculousness of that kind of a concept, but isn't that interesting when you see it in such a rate like that? Over and over and over again, they reinforce this idea. And if you know anything, those of you that have helped with little kids' Sabbath schools, or you've had children yourself and you teach them, how do you teach children about God? You read them stories. And you tell them over and over and over again, this is Jonah, this is Noah, this is Adam, this is Eve. And you keep telling them those same stories. And over enough time, that will build up a worldview in that child's mind and they will understand things about God. Well, guess what? The devil knows how to do that exact same thing. He's building a worldview in kids' minds saying, when you have a choice between following your feelings or your heart, or your rules, what do you do? You go with the feelings. And look at the world that we are grappling with today. People are following their feelings over rules, right? 
There's laws, physical laws, scientific laws, all kinds of things. Nope, I'm going to go with my feelings over those laws. Does that make sense? And it's very interesting to me to observe that those things get built up in the mind. I think the Bible is very clear. Ecclesiastes 12:13 says that keeping the commandments of God, this is the whole duty of man. Following the rules is really the construct of what happened in the war in heaven what's happening with us today, and how this whole war ends. And we now live in a world where much of our media is battling against this kind of idea. We know from Jeremiah 17:9, it says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it, right? Following your heart is not advised, so to say, in a biblical sense. And so I'm going to go through a, a few very interesting kids' programs that have these kind of concepts built into them. But it's interesting that they start out with the idea of that if you were perfect, you would be happy. And in fact, this is one of those movies that in the very beginning, they flip the script where they're talking about it from the perspective of the, the yetis, but they all live in this world where everybody follows the rules all the time and they're happy because they follow the rules. Listen to how this is done. This is my world. And I gotta say, it's awesome. And the best part, everyone's happy. That's because our world is built on a foundation of stones. See, we have these laws that are written in stone. Literally written in stone. Interpreted and enforced by the stone keeper. They pretty much tell us everything that we need to know. The stones are here to protect us and keep us safe. And so that's the very beginning of the story. And once this Yeti finds out that the stonekeeper is actually not telling the truth, and he begins to have this conversation with this secret group that the daughter of the stonekeeper, the one that's made the rules, the one that's enforcing all the rules, his very daughter, I want you to think of this spiritually, we are a daughter. There's a grappling uh, thing in our world right now where is the daughter, is the church following what God is wanting them to or not? I mean, this stuff is on such a deep psychological level, it is mind-boggling that we put this out to children. And as they're discussing this, he finds out that the daughter of the very stonekeeper doesn't even believe the stones are real. And they've been told a lie, that there's something out there, and they call it the nothingness. And they've been told their whole life that it's nothing. Listen to this. <laughs> what is this place exactly? The secret headquarters of the SES. The SES? No, no, no. It's, it's three letters, like S-E-S. -S. Stands for Smallfoot Exists, suckers! Same. <laughs> it's Smallfoot Evidentiary Society. I mean, my name's got a lot more pizzazz, but... Wait, you're like a Smallfoot Club? And, and hold on, you're the leader. But you're the stonekeeper's daughter. Look, I love my father, but he isn't exactly what you would call open to new ideas because questions lead to knowledge. And knowledge is power. Hmm. Have we heard these concepts before? Do you realize that even if you don't believe in the Bible, that they're getting a biblical perspective? The opposite side of the spectrum. And so as he's sitting there going, wait a minute, you're the stonekeeper's daughter and you don't believe this kind of stuff. Then she says, this is what she actually really believes, that if one of the stones could be wrong, how many of the other ones could be wrong? And if you want proof, that's where we need to go. 
in in the, the nothing? Ha! <laughs> You're crazy! Don't call me crazy. Yeah, I better call a crazy guy crazy. You wanna know why it's called the nothing? Because there's nothing down there! Why do you believe that? Because it's in the stone. So is the one that says there's no small foot. And yet you saw one. Yeah, why is there a stone that says something doesn't exist? Doesn't that just prove that it actually does? And if one stone is wrong, then others could be as well. W what Other stones? How many do you think are wrong? The whole robe. Huh. So if one stone could be wrong, then all of them could be wrong. That's the concept of this cartoon. And then it begins to unfold where he even has a conversation with this stonekeeper and he finds out that the stonekeeper is actually lying to everybody and then he confronts him and asks him, why are you lying to these people? Listen to how he responds. So, so none of those stones are true. They're all lies. Good lies to protect our world. But they need to know the truth. Oh, do they? So all of a sudden he's lying and that's what is the story all about. That's a deep, deep psychological idea for kids to grapple with. So then you go to a movie like the Lego movie where many kids saw the Lego movie and in the very beginning of the Lego movie, just like in the beginning of that other one where everything was perfect and everybody followed all the rules all the time, that's exactly what happens in this exact same story. He follows all the instructions and all the rules. <laughs> Morning apartment, good morning doorway, morning wall, morning ceiling, good morning floor, ready to start the day. Ah, here it is. Instructions to fit in, have everybody like you and always be happy. So if you followed the instructions all the time, that that's what would make you happy, that same exact kind of concept. And so in the beginning, he follows all the rules all the time until he meets this character named Lucy, and that's what gets him to break the rules for the first time. Really? Really? That's the kid's story? And so all of a sudden, Lucy gets him to break these rules. And it's very interesting. His name is Emmet in the story. Emmet is he the Hebrew word for truth. Well, who's the very definition of truth? That's Jesus, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in the story, Emmet, the character that is named truth, who literally is a version of Jesus, so you would, he decides to sacrifice himself so that he will save the rest of the people. He jumps off the building. It's thought that he died. And even there's a line in the end that says, oh, you're back from the dead, Burkowski, which, which is basically saying you resurrected from the dead. There's this very common um, theme here. And the main guy that's the, the one that runs the world, they call him the Lord, Lord, President Business, who's up in the sky. He tells everybody, if you don't follow the rules, I'm going to put you to sleep. You know what happens in our world if you don't follow God's rules? There will be an eternal sleep that someday some people are put into. I find that really interesting to be putting that out there as a kid's program. Hi, I'm President Business, President of the Octad Corporation and the world. Let's take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget Taco Tuesday's coming next week. That's the day every rule-following citizen gets a free taco and my love. So everybody's going to get your love if you follow all the rules and if you don't, 
you're going to be put to you sleep. Just wrecked it. Uh-huh. You wrecked it! Bad cop, you see what I'm talking about? All I'm asking for is total perfection. All he wants in the world is total perfection. He wants the rest of the people to follow the rules. But what's the storyline? To break the rules. That there's some sort of beauty in breaking those rules. 1 John 4, 3 tells us that whoever committed sin transgresses also the law, and the sin is the transgression of the law. The Bible is constantly bringing this concept up of following the rules, not breaking the rules. But look at the message that the world is putting out. Break the rules, break the rules, break the rules. You don't need to follow them. So when these kids begin to watch the teenager movies, those same concepts begin to grow and get told to the young people in a much more adult fashion. So what this movie that's called Free Guy is really discussing is a guy that lives in a video game world. And everybody else is watching what's happening in the video game world. I mean, it's very much a parallel to what's going on. And his name is Free Guy, the guy in the blue shirt. And in the very opening sequence, he talks about who these guys are in this world that actually have fun in the world. Listen to what he says. This is Free City. And the people who wear sunglasses are heroes. They have a devil-may-care attitude, and they run this town. See? That's not even his car or his wife. For the sunglasses people, they get to do anything they want. They go on all sorts of missions. They got cool hair, cool clothes. I mean, laws aren't really laws to them. They're more like mild suggestions. Like, I don't think he's going to return that car or that nice lady. See what I mean? Hero. So wait a minute. What is the information that's just told to that young person that just watched that? That to be free in this world and to be cool and get what you want, you're going to be the guy that gets the girl. Oh, by the way, that's not his wife. And you know what? That's not his car. And guess what? He's not going to return the wife and he's not going to return the car. See what I mean? Hero. Do you hear the message? Over and over and over again. There's a reason why listening to and paying attention to modern media will build up eventually in your mind an opposite message of what the Bible is beginning to build up. And there is a scratching of the head that many of our adults, parents, grandparents are going, I don't understand why my children have no interest in God. What if they got the wrong sermon over and over and over again? And unfortunately, this is much more exciting than coming to church. So a byproduct of paying attention to all this worldly media is that we train ourselves for a level of excitement when all of a sudden you want to come and you want to just listen to a pastor who's just reading from a book it's not as exciting as this, and people's minds tune out. That, to me, is a real danger. 
The Bible tells us 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage for us, for we should not be ignorant of his devices. Transformers was an interesting concept because um, I saw this many years ago, and it was interesting to see how this developed over the years. There was a first poster that was put out. The guy on the left is called Optimus Prime. The guy on, the, on your right is called Megatron. And the poster, I did not write these words that are on this poster. It says, protect Optimus Prime and destroy Megatron. And all, if you ever talk to anybody who's ever been involved in marketing, all these things are, are very purposeful. Somebody sat in a boardroom, some meeting somewhere. Words are not just randomly and arbitrarily put on a screen. Those are very intentional with, with what was put on there. So here's the trailer to the very first Transformers movie. Before time began, there was the cube. We know not where it comes from. Only that it holds the power to create worlds and fill them with life. That is how our race was born. For a time we lived in harmony, but like all great power, some wanted it for good, others for evil. And so began the war. So the information that's told to you is there's a war in the galaxy and there is this thing in the galaxy that has the ability to create a world and fill it with life. There's only one thing in my Bible that tells me it has the ability to create a world and fill it with life. Only one. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God, right? Nothing was created except for what He created, right? Nothing outside of that. We know that to be Jesus. We know that Jesus, before he was Jesus, was the God that was the creative God that designed and built and made all of these things right. And so if they're discussing there was a war in heaven and there's one thing that has the ability to create life and fill, or create worlds and fill them with life, here's the entire way to end the war. Are we fighting to save the humans? They're a primitive and violent race. Were we so different? They're a young species. They have much to learn. But I've seen goodness in them. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You all know there's only one way to end this war. We must destroy the cube. The only thing that has the ability to create a world and fill it with life, the storyline of the Transformer series is you must destroy that thing. And if you notice and we're paying attention, he was literally saying, we are here to save humanity. They're a violent race, which is not very much different than us. You know, the Bible describes Satan and his government as a violence. That they were filled with violence from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. That tells you who that is that's talking right there. And if he's literally making a call that we must destroy that thing that's a cube, you know what's interesting about a cube? A cube is made up of three perfect parts that fit together. You know, this is really interesting about a cube. What do you think the shape of the city of Jerusalem is in the shape of? There is such a calculated attack that is happening again and again and again in the media there's a totally different Transformers movie. Right here it says at the very top, for one world to live, the other must die. Is that a true spiritual statement, yes or no? Can Satan's government and God's government exist 
together. No, they cannot. One will win. We know who's going to win. So for one to win, the other must die. And they call this, this particular film um, The Last Night. And in The Last Night, they even say the being that is coming or that is in control of everything, they even call this being God. And here, the very leader of the Transformers is going to try and kill God. Your world is dying. I've been waiting for you, Optimus. Come meet your maker. You are my creator. I am Quintessa, the prime of life. I will kill you! You dare to strike your god! Your war doomed Cybertron. Megatron started the war! You destroyed your world, you fool! My perfect creation. You're going to fix it, or the race of Transformers dies forever. I made you. You are mine to command. I mean, if you don't think that the great controversy is spoken about from our public media, do you think that we have a job to go out there and promote the great controversy truth to the world? Brothers and sisters, these are not just movies. These are making the villains God. And what they're doing is they're psychologically tricking anyone that goes to these movies on a regular basis to desire for the protagonist to win. The protagonist is literally Optimus Prime and the devil. That's the devil, recreated as the hero of the story. And you know, the bad person in the very beginning one, his name was called Megatron. And what's interesting about the storyline of Megatron was Megatron was frozen in the ground for 3,000 years until they woke him up and they found him in a cave. And it's interesting to me that my Bible tells me that a day is as a thousand years and a year, thousand years is as a day to God. So that particular being, Megatron, was in the ground for three days and then he was woken up out of that grave. And that's the evil villain of the story. There's so many of these parallels that are in these stories. It is mind-boggling. Here's a little bit of the last night in the very end. Listen to what Optimus Prime says he's going to do to this creator god. I am Optimus Prime, and this message is to my creators. Leave planet Earth alone, because I'm coming. The very spirit that is attached to that particular story is this is a message to my creator. Leave this planet alone. If you don't, I'm coming for you and I will kill you. That's not a message that I believe any of our young people should be exposed to. 
That's opposite of what God is trying to teach us in the Bible. The latest Transformers that was released is called Rise of the Beasts. I mean, this is not something that you randomly can make up, and these are all connections that are loosely connected. Listen to this. They're telling you exactly who these people are and exactly what this is. And once again, there's a storyline that says, like at the top of their movie poster, what does it say? Unite or fall. There's something coming to destroy us, and if we do not unite together, we will die. They're making a call. Go read Revelation 20. 20, starting with verse 7, where it says Satan, in the beginning of that chapter, was loosened from his prison. And then all of a sudden, Gog and Magog are gathered together for the day of God Almighty. And that's when Satan rallies around and tries to get everybody to fight against that city. And it says, fire comes down from heaven. That scene is after Satan has to sit here for a thousand years and all of a sudden the the saints are coming back after everybody's had a chance to look over the information, understand what happened here on this planet and Satan is planning planning those seeds in people's minds right now for that day. Don't be caught on the wrong side of this war. I want to share before I share with you a little bit from that particular story. Um, I'm very fascinated with why we do what we do as human behavior. And there are books that have been written to um, major corporate leaders and people um, by Carnegie. Maybe some of you have heard some of these books before and these concepts. And how to persuade somebody. There's books that are written on the art of persuasion. And do you know what? They've distilled down the art of persuasion into some very easy to digest ways of getting us to actually convince other people to go along with our ideas. And so I want to share this with you before I show you what these movies are doing is because when you understand human psychology and why we do what we do, you recognize and see in the movies they're doing these very same tactics to persuade them and everyone to go along with their side. And this is what um, um, this particular book by um, Carnegie was, was written about persuasion. Once I was meeting with a banker and somehow we ended up talking about the investment products they were offering. He described a few products, but none of them got my attention. So I was half listening and half thinking about when I was going to leave. But then before describing the next product, he said something that made me wake up, lean forward and listen carefully. He said, the next product I'm going to talk about is the one that I would recommend even to my mother to invest in. As soon as I heard this sentence, I felt strong trust towards him and the product. Probably not on purpose, but he activated one of the most powerful persuasion principles that Robert Cialdini calls unity. Unity refers to a shared identity that both the influencer and the influencee are part of. The idea that we share an identity with someone else causes us to want to say yes to them, to a much greater extent than to someone who's outside that unit. If a communicator can show that he or she belongs to the same group as we are before delivering the message, then we are much more open to cooperating with that person or believing him or her. So, family and showing that we're in this together and that we have to band together to stop or prevent or or stop something from, from happening and showing that we are a family is a very strong bond to get people persuaded. 
And you'll notice that in films all the time, that something that's coming, we must band together as the human family. This thing is attacking us as humans, and we need to, this is for the survival of us, and we're all in this together, and if we don't do it together, we're going to die. That's a persuasive attack. And this is what this, is pers this person is talking about. The art of using somebody that is family-orientated all of a sudden makes that persuasion much more powerful. A big concern of investors has always been what happens to Buffett's firm, Berkshire Hathaway, when he's no longer in charge. In a letter to shareholders regarding succession plans, Buffett wrote, I will tell you what I would say to my family today if they asked me about Berkshire's future. With that language, Buffett was highly convincing because he said he was advising readers in the same way he would advise a family member. The most powerful form of unity is in the family. People go to great lengths, even risking their lives, to help close relatives. Robert shows you how you can use family-driven unity even when you are trying to influence people who aren't your own relatives. So, family is a very close bond. And they go on to give you this really interesting illustration about kids um, sending them home. My kids have to do this all the time. I have to sometimes sign off on their homework, and their school wants us to like, um, you know, know that their parents looked over certain things. And they were having problems with parents actually signing these things. And so the little tiny tweak that they got these kids to do with their families made a huge impact on people actually listening to that and being persuaded to sign this. Listen to this. In one of his college classes, Robert wanted students and their parents to fill out a questionnaire. Student compliance was always very high, but parents typically responded at a far lower rate, often below 20%. One small tweak increased the parent response rate to 97%. What was the simple tweak? Robert said he would give the students an extra point on one test if their parents completed the survey. One point on one test in a semester-long course is an inconsequential benefit. It would be unlikely to have any impact at all on the student's final grade. But by invoking the concept of helping a family member, he increased the response rate five-fold, from poor to nearly perfect. So, you get the idea that the more that you pull on those family heartstrings, the more that we are a unit together, the more that we have to band together and do this. And I mean this, like, this is a common tactic that they use in the, the business world. So think about this when you hear them using these tactics in some of these movies. Listen to this. Unite or fall, remember that. <laughs> For centuries, our kind has stayed hidden on Earth. But darkness has found us again. Prime. This is about the fate of all living things. Unicron is coming. By the way, do you notice the language that they're using? How many times do we in the church, we go, something's coming. He's coming back, right? It is coming. Look at how they're using that as a negative. Something is coming. And they called him Unicron. And so I actually looked up on the internet because I don't like when I don't understand something or I know anything about it. So I quickly go to the Google, who is Unicron and what is Unicron? 
don't know anything about this. I don't follow this series very closely. And it says that Unicron is the ultimate enemy of the twin brother Primus. And it says in here that Unicron is a massive um, um, power in the universe and it likes to consume planets and moons and stars and, 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 and um, actually threatens the very fabric of existence. The only being that can threaten any fabric of any existence or any example that we have that any planet can be taken out is only by the hand of God. Satan is not allowed to destroy this planet outside of what God allows him to destroy. Does that make sense? Anytime that the planet has been destroyed, it has only been the flood experience, and that was God that caused that to happen. And so the fact that they're saying he has the ability to destroy a planet and that he makes deals with lesser beings and stuff like this, and listen to this, it says that, that because his minions are stripped away entirely of free will, it says up there in the, in the top one, Unicron will not be sated in his ultimate goal until his goal is obtained to bring an end to an annoying creation boasting independence around him. Because somebody is saying they want to have their own existence and do whatever they want, that's why he wants to destroy them. You can hear the very language of Satan's accusation against God right here. And so listen to them talk about this as a family. Optimus, we must trust each other to protect the home we all share. How big can this guy be? Uh, he eats planets. So like, way bigger than a planet. In the end, everything you cared for will be consumed. Maybe there's another way to save our home. You've never faced anything like this. Let them come. Look at that. They're waging war against God. That is the arrogance of man right there at its finest. You're going to come, come. We'll fight you if you come on this planet. That's the spirit that is relayed in this story. You know, when you hear the stories of God, you can see the story of Jesus in the Bible. In many different experiences, you can see the self-sacrifice the others focused, when you see those stories, you can see the very fabric of God's kingdom in those stories. It comes through the stories. But you know what I've learned to recognize? You can see the very fabric of Satan's lies coming through his stories again and again and again. And it breaks my heart when I go into our schools and our universities, and how many of you kids have watched this? 90% of the hands go up. They're getting the wrong story over and over and over again. Listen to what she says. She even comments about this God. We fled our home planet on the eve of its destruction. We sought refuge and hid here on Earth. All right, so you're a Maximal, y'all are Autobots. What was those things that attacked us earlier? Terracons, servants of a dark, hungry god who feeds on entire worlds to sustain himself. Unicron. So you're saying this thing Unicron eats planets to survive? Yes, and
and he imbues his servants like scourge with dark energy, which makes him all but invincible. He is entirely beholden to Unicron. Through his power, he possesses Scourge's soul. I mean, you can hear the opposite of the great controversy, right? For those individuals that are on this planet that are absolutely imbued with God, they are imbued with his power. And look at how that's even flipped upside down on that. The opposite message of the truth of the Bible. I'm going to get through this because this, this is nonstop. Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. And in the end of that series, that dark God that they're saying is coming to destroy this world, he tells the transformers that once I destroy this world, you will not be remembered after this. That's straight out of the Bible. And so they're using these biblical concepts. And, you know, this past year, we made a documentary this, uh, the, a couple of years ago about anime. And this past year, there was a lot of people that had asked us to come and specifically speak to their school or their university about anime. And one of the animes that many young people have, have watched was called Seven Deadly Sins. Um, and this is absolutely mind-boggling that something like this can be put out in our world. But listen to the seven deadly sins are the heroes of the story, and the evil villains are the Ten Commandments. And they talk about it just like that. They're called the Ten Commandments. And listen to how they even mention the Ten Commandments' evil influence in the world needs to be destroyed. Listen to this. This is a tale of ancient times, an era before the human and non-human worlds were forever divided. Freed from a 3,000-year-old seal, an elite troop from the demon race, called the Ten Commandments, were awakened. In Britannia, their fiendish rule extends throughout the land. But there are those willing to rise up and challenge this dark power. From Leonis, a legendary order of knights. They're known as the Seven Deadly Sins. The battle they waged was beyond fierce. The Sins lost against the Ten Commandments, and Meliodas was killed. Britannia entered a dark age, and the Ten Commandments' evil influence began closing in on Leonis as well. But thanks to the Seven Deadly Sins' efforts, and the resurrected Meliodas, so, the Ten Commandments are the evil villains, and this, the good guys are the, are the seven deadly sins, which is run by this guy whose name is Meliodas. And as you can see on his sword, he has a picture of an Ouroboros. And if you know what the Ouroboros is, the Ouroboros is um, that snake that's eating its own tail. And so it says this on their fandom wiki that the seven deadly sins were formed and carved and in their, in their bodies, they have the seven beasts carved into their bodies. They're the main protagonists of the story. And a Ten Commandment is created by the demon king. And all of a sudden, it's like flipping this upside down. There is 10 in total, and they have a unique curse of absolute power bestowed upon anybody. 
And so this leader of the seven deadly sins is called Meliodas, and he's the sin of wrath. He's the dragon sin. And it's very interesting that the Bible in Revelation says that the dragon was wroth with the woman and he went to go make war with her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. And this particular um, cartoon is literally putting out there the idea, not even hiding or mincing the words, that the Ten Commandments are the ones that are evil and we need to snuff them out. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, I got asked to speak about this at our Adventist schools this past year, specifically this cartoon. Many kids came up to me and said, oh, I've watched it, seen the whole thing. Why? I think the devil is constantly testing the waters going, are they ready yet? Are they ready yet? Can I put something out into the world? Can I put something even in front of an Adventist who knows the whole great controversy from the beginning to the end? Can I put something where it says the Ten Commandments are the evil influence in the world and nobody bats an eye? Nobody raises their hand and said, why would I ever want to watch something like that? The Ouroboros is very interesting. It says it's the dragon sin. And this is a representation of the devil. If you look at Encyclopedia Britannica, it's often been used in different cultures. And you can see this is a very popular thing. People are starting to tattoo this on. I actually ate at Taco Bell one day, and the guy that gave me my food had this tattooed on his arm. And I was like, oh, wow, you're an adult, and you watch these, this cartoon? Oh, yeah, I love that cartoon so great. And it says that his demon sword, and it, as it's describing who this character is, he's the one who is the, the leader. Listen to what it said. The sacred treasure is his demon sword. And he was also the head of the Ten Commandments. He was originally known as Melodius the Love. And he decided that he went against the Ten Commandments and traded sides and became the dragon sin of wrath. If that's not an illustration or example of the devil, I don't know what is. And here's what was really alarming. It was the fourth most watched thing on Netflix in this past, I think this was, was almost two years ago. Fourth most watched thing, not fourth most cartoon, not fourth most, most, most just in this genre, fourth most watched thing on Netflix was an actual story that was telling you the Ten Commandments is evil. Here is a graph um, talking about anime's growth over the years. And from 2006, you can see where the graph is going. It's exponentially grown in our U.S. market. In fact, we in the United States are one of the largest consumers of anime outside of Japan and we are not slowing down by any means. If you see from 2020 where 2030 hits, this is where they want anime in our country to go, and they're projecting that it's going to be there. If you've ever walked through Walmart, you see it on every t-shirt. You see it in every poster. You see many kids wearing all the Japanese stuff all over. Brothers and sisters, this is not going away. The reason why we felt passionate to bring this up and talk about it is because if we're starting to see this in our young people and even watching this and they're not batting an eye, this is getting more and more and more of an issue. Be careful 
what you watch. They're attacking God. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12 talks about this time that we know is coming, that Satan is going to um, work mightily in the end of time, and that his coming is, is, is there's going to be an individual that's coming as a deceiver, and his coming is working after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness and all unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not a love for the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion and they shall believe a lie that they all might be damned, those who believe not the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. This one simple Bible verse right here tells me that there's something that's coming in the end of time. There is some deception that is allowed to be placed upon the people and the only way to make it through this deception is if you actually stand on the word of God and fall in love with the truth. If you fall in love with the truth, you will be saved. But if you fall in love with a lie and you delight in wickedness, all who believe in that lie and delight in wickedness will be damned because they did not fall in love with the truth. So how do you save your children? How do you save your grandchildren? How do you save yourself? Don't delight in wickedness. Don't have pleasure in all of that dark, unrighteous, warring against God, hating on those things. That's the reason why we don't watch those things. That's why we don't engage in those, those kind of, well, what does it matter? I go to church. I know my Bible. Why would you want to sit in a theater and hear someone slam God? When David walked into that experience and heard a, a Philistine standing up and defying God and spewing things out of his mouth that were slamming God, what was the reaction in David's blood? He immediately said, why isn't anybody standing up and fighting him? I'll go and fight him. Where is our church? Where is our people? Where is our young people going, wait a minute, you just slammed my God. Anybody else? What, why, why are we going to pay attention to this? That's why. That's why. It's time that we show our love for God and we stop listening to stories that are contrary or fighting against him. And I'll tell you what, if you... Let's just say we're being fanatical about this. There's no problem whatsoever of watching movies. It's not going to take away your salvation at all. Let's just say that hypothetically is true. You know what? You have an eternity to watch movies in heaven. You can watch this garbage for thousands of years if that's the case. But what if this would make you astray? Are you willing to take that chance? Are you willing to, to set your mind open to the devil's ideas and the devil's thoughts? I hope and pray that you're not. Don't delight in wickedness. I want to show you one more because this is where this is going. This is actually a, a um, movie that was produced 
called His Dark Materials, and it was made out of a book series. This is kids' content, and these books were actually challenged in our country and removed from wide circulation. But the BBC made a story about this, and the entire、um, end of the series, he's literally fighting against God. In fact, what you'll see right here is he's addressing the people and he says there is a creator. He calls himself the creator that he wants to destroy our lives because we want to do what we want to do. Listen to how strong this language is to fight against God and think about this was kids' material, kids' books that were sent to kids in a mighty way. Why not? We are all of us here, mortal. Whether our lifespans are three or three hundred years, our time down here in the earth is finite, and so we cower. We cower under the tyranny of an authority who calls himself Creator, who tells us that hell awaits those who disobey him, and that paradise. Exists only for those who obey. This is a lie, a lie that has prevented us from living our lives to the utmost. Today is our chance. It is our chance to tell him that our lives are beautiful and precious, and that we should be allowed to experience all they have to offer without the fear of retribution. Because if we don't fight until the end. We will lose everything. So yes, today some of you will die. Thanks to my daughter. Thanks to Lyra. We need no longer fear that fate. For from today, death is no longer an ending, but instead a journey back into life. So from today, the authority has no power over us. Today, life confronts death, and our light shines through the darkness. Today, we will tell him that our children shall experience paradise, but they will know it down here in the earth. Today, we are free. Think we're in the end? 
They aren't even hiding anymore. They can literally call it the Creator. They can call it heaven. They can say, We want paradise down here. That's a direct message I could literally hear Satan running around and trying to inspire people in that last moment. Let's fight against that city. Many people went and saw. The, um, the Barbie movie, we talked about this the other night, and we showed a little bit of a clip that was quite disturbing about that. I'm not going to ask you if you've seen this movie, but that's the main actress that played Barbie. That's the writer-director of this particular film. And listen to what they say this entire film was about. What was the reason they made this film? Listen to this. You know, they don't like to call it a feminist film. Mm. The actors seem very comfortable with talking about it as a feminist film. Yeah. But somehow it doesn't matter that you talk about it differently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it most certainly is a feminist film. Um, and, and I think that the sort of... Can you explain that? Why? How, how so? I, to me, it's like that's like one slice of the pie. Like, it's so... It's pretty big it's slice. A, it's a big slice, but, like, I, I don't know. I, yes. I, I, no, I, know it, I also wouldn't yeah. call it a funny film because then yes, that discredits the yeah. fact that it's got it's a lot of heart film. and it's got a lot of emotion and it's got a lot of, like, movie references, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, it is funny. That is a huge part of it. It's a comedy. Right. But yes. if you just call it a funny film, you almost make it sound like it doesn't have a lot going on, and it does. Well, I mean, like, this is... A, this is sort of when we talk about this stuff. It's it also it almost sounds silly because you <laughs> you start talking about Barbie and Ken and you're and then you're having very serious mm. discussions about Barbie yeah. and Ken, but it's like, I mean, I think to to whatever that sort of of like it's also a humanist film mm -hmm. because it's like the humanity insofar as you can call it of like Barbie and Ken is what's paramount in the film and at the beginning of the movie, uh, you know. Ken is a person with no status in this world. So in this kind of reversed world, that person who has no status is in a completely untenable place. So she says it's a feminist film, which is basically flipping the reversal of the order of things, where the female is the dominant one. Ken has no place in there. But she says it's really about a humanist film. And so I looked that up on the internet. Well, well, what does God have to say with that? Let's say that before I show you what the internet has to say about what humanism is. God says that the lawmaker and the priest and all the members of the family center around the father. He's actually the lawmaker illustrating in his own manly bearing the sterner virtues, energy, integrity, honesty, patience, courage, diligence, and practical usefulness. The father is in one sense the priest of the household laying upon the altar the morning and evening sacrifice. The wife and the children should be encouraged to unite in this offering and also encouraged in the song of praise. She also makes the comment that the head of the family firm is the husband and the father and that he's the head of the household. The wife looks to him for love and sympathy. Now, isn't it interesting in our world that if we were to pin who is demonstrating love and sympathy, would we say the wife? But look at what she says, that it's actually the father that's supposed to be looked for love and sympathy, and he's supposed to be the head of the household. That's the order that God set up. Because it tells something about a spiritual truth about God. And listen to this 
when they're sitting there saying that it's a humanist um, um, story and that really this is all about women, listen to what they say. How do you guys spot a Ken? Um, I think a, a Ken for me is just kind of there, you know? I think a Ken <laughs> is a great accessory, but that's what I loved about, you know, Greta's imagining of, of Barbie is that the Kens are just supplemental characters to these Barbies. While, while Barbies can do everything, Kens are there to kind of support and don't necessarily have their own story. And I think um, that's not necessarily a negative thing. I think it's, it's incredibly strong for men to be in supportive roles mm -hmm. and to support the greatness that is women slash Barbie. Yeah. So... They've disrupted the very order that God has set up. Why? Because that tells something about the spiritual truth that God has made a family about. And here they're saying, this is the opposite of that. We're going to make the women and the men are just going to be there in the background. They're not the ones that are the leaders. And so I looked up on the internet, what is humanism? because that's what she said this movie was all about. And listen to what it says, an outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural. Human is more important than God. That was the message of the movie. Oh yeah, and the order of things is not the way that God set it up. You see the attack on God his principles, no matter what angle you look at this, the devil is working on so many of these levels. The Christian home is to be an object lesson. The mission of the home extends beyond its own family members. The Christian home is to be an object lesson, illustrating the excellence of the true principles of life in such illustrations will be a power for good in the world. She also goes on to say that a well-ordered, well-disciplined family tells more about the behalf of Christianity than all the sermons that could be preached. Simply observing a true, well-ordered family that God placed in that way and the way that we see adhering to the biblical principles will actually do more than all the sermons preached on the planet over and over and over and over again. All we need is a model of what the family looks like. You see why the damage of putting a movie out there that disrupts that order and then puts God aside and says, human is the top. This is a movie about humanism. Is so wrong for us on so many levels. It's once again an attack on my God. I don't even have to show you the trailer. I don't even have to show you the storyline. A simple Google search of what is this movie about displays those types of things. I'm going to skip down through a couple of these concepts because it just keeps going on and on and on. You get the idea. And so I don't need to show you any more examples, but I really want you to hear tonight is that Jesus talked about a group of people, that they profess to be followers in God. He says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain and their teachings are mere human rules. We don't want to repeat those same mistakes. If we love God, don't watch things that fight against God or his principles or what he's trying to teach you. Don't pay attention to that nonsense. 
We don't need those kind of messages in our life. And if you ever do find yourself in a situation where even if you've paid $20 to go and watch that movie and you're sitting in that theater and you've paid good money, so you're going to sit there and watch the whole thing and you hear some concept like that, get up and walk out. And because Adventists are so good at guilt tripping, I'll say this. If it's easier for you to pay $20 to go see a movie but you can't put $20 in the offering plate, I want you to think about that. Where do you spend your time and your money is also an act of worship. Think about those concepts. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but one who does the will of my Father that's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And then he will have to declare to them those words that many of us can't even imagine them being said to us. Depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness. We want to follow the Ten Commandments. We want to want to follow the Ten Commandments. We do not want to be caught listening to messages that reinforce the ideas of disregarding God's laws. The great controversy says, just before the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world and try them that are on the earth, all whose faith are not firmly established upon the word of God will be deceived and overcome. What I hope you heard from this message here tonight was one simple concept. Does it speak according to this word? Because if it does not speak according to the law and to the testimony, it is because there is no light in it. Filter every single thing you have in your life through this context. How does it compare to this book? How does it compare to the law of God? What is the law of God? It's my relationship with my fellow man. So if it teaches me to kill, steal, hurt, lie, cheat, those are harming my people. If it talks to me about fighting against God or some concept that is like some great controversy concept, that's fighting against God. How does it fit into the context of the law? Think about that when you filter the world around you and fall in love with the truth. The truth is found in studying the Word of God. This is something that I pray our young people will grasp this concept. Spend time with this book. If you want to just do apples to apples and compare apples and oranges and all that, if you spend an hour watching something, spend an hour reading this. If you can't spend an hour reading this, but you can certainly spend 15 hours watching that, then there's a problem. This book will do you wonders in your life. Pick it up and read it. I wanted to leave a little bit of time for question and answer before we close with a word of prayer. Does anybody have a question? So I recently watched The Sound of Freedom, which is a true story. I'm sure they probably manipulated it a little bit. But what are your thoughts on that? And this isn't an attack, because I totally understand everything 
Absolutely. I'm totally supportive of this. I, Absolutely. I hate that stuff and being raised in it because I had to do so much unlearning to relearn, just like Alan J. White said. So I'm, I'm like, I just, I read scripture and a lot of her writings and, and audio. I'm, I have to like wash my brain out. But I do like the fact on Sound of Freedom where he kind of broke the rules and say and did good because God can use in the situation that people are in. So I'm reading a, a book called Brother Andrew. That's kind of a book that we're reading with a family for worship. And it's all about a guy who um, was from Holland and he used to, he's shared so many Bibles in the world. He would go into communist countries and, and I mean, he would pack them in his car and pray God doesn't allow them to see. And I mean, technically he's breaking the rules, right? There are certain times that I believe that that God is, 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 you know, a higher power than man's rules and man's laws. And in such a case as the Sound of Freedom, where it's like, we do have a major problem in our world with trafficking and, and, and you know, awful things that are happening to people. How else do you get these messages out? Yes, we need to make projects on that. Yes, we need to tell the world about that. And if we did more of those kind of projects where we would talk about these atrocities in life, what can we do to embedder our humanity? I think we could actually change the world. There are real reasons that media is impactful and can be used positively. That would be an example of, I, I have not seen that movie, but that would be an example of using it positively. I know what it was about. Bringing awareness to a situation that I think that we need to talk about and we need to understand and many people don't know about it. So um, I encourage young filmmakers all the time that come up to me and they hear a message like this and they go, well, I'm in film school. What do you want me to do? And I said, well, why don't you ask God what, what he wants you to do? Because he may want you to be in film school. He may want you to make a project like that. He may want you to use that gift and that art to spread some messages about him. Don't ask me. I'll give you my opinion. But really, my opinion doesn't hold weight at the end of the day. His opinion does. Mm -hmm. So what I always encourage people is like, ask God. Well, what do you think about this, God? Should I make a project like this? Should I do that? And I think that if you let God answer those questions, you will see that he may ask certain people to do certain things. And I think that that kind of an example is a very rare example of something being used positively. I have a question regarding maybe your own experience with your family. So as like the priest of your own home, if there was something that you wanted to sit down and watch together and have your children learn, what sort of things would you watch? Are there any top sort of media productions that you're like, you know what, that's safe for pretty much everyone. Absolutely. We would sit down and we would discuss um, certain pieces over the years. Um, people always ask me, do you have a television? And I say, yes, I do. And they're kind of like, why do you have a television? I thought you were against this. I have a television for a reason, because I believe in we live in a media-centric world. And I don't think that, that the answer is not ever being around it. We are around it. And so you have to teach the principles and the tools of how to navigate around that world. So I'm choosing to help my children learn how to make positive choices. And I love it that there is a TV in my home that is rarely watched. That in itself is a message to my children. That it's like, it's right there, but that's not the center of our family fun. That's not what we do 
all the time as a family. Yes, they're kids. Yes, they want to watch stuff. Yes, they come and they ask me all the time. My kids were very much so interested in、um, animal stories, real life stories,、um, Bible stories. So we've watched a lot of the Bible stories.、Um, I actually sat down with my entire family and, and watched the Chosen series all the way up to the third Chosen. And we would have discussions about it. There were some things that I agreed with and some things I did not agree with. And it actually caused our family to have some major discussions on it. So, those are things that I've chosen to actually engage with my family and have healthy discussions on things. And there are times that my, my kids,、um, they don't actually always, in fact, a lot of the projects that, that、um, our ministry has talked about, my kids have never even seen some of our documentaries. Why? Because they don't watch those movies and they don't really have a context of it anyway. So, I don't feel like it's necessary for them to even understand it. And one time my kids were with me. And、um, I was talking about Frozen and a few other things, and I mentioned something about some Disney production. And I asked the audience, you know, who here has seen this production? And out of the corner of my eye, I see my kids' hands go up. And I went, Really? So, where did you guys see that? Grandma's. Have a little talk with Grandma. So, it's not something that I think that, you know, My kids have done perfectly, or my family's done perfectly. But I'll tell you what, that sparked discussion. And I was really proud of my son. I tell this story、uh, every once in a while. He actually、um, he, he, he doesn't watch all the superhero movies, so he doesn't really, he knows them by name because the people, people will, will talk about it, but he doesn't know like, all the details of all of them. And somebody was having a superhero birthday party that he got invited to, and he calls them the scary guys. I love it. He goes, Dad, I'm going to a scary guy birthday party. I went, Great. And so he said he went to this birthday party, and all of the kids wanted to watch some particular superhero movie. And、um, so my son raises his hand and he goes, Hey, is there anything else that we could watch? And all the kids were like, You don't want to watch a superhero movie. What's wrong with this kid? And he goes, No, no, seriously, like, is there something else that we can watch? And they had this whole discussion, and he in, in convinced all of his friends to actually watch something else that they had a discussion on. And then three of his friends came up to him and go, Well, why, why did you not want to watch a superhero movie? And he goes, Oh, well, my dad made a documentary about superheroes. You want to see it? <laughs> and he ends up coming to me. And so excitedly tells me about this, and he goes, Dad, can I have three of your videos? I need to give them to three of my friends at school. My kid just promoted and shared ministry videos, and I said, you know, later on, I said, Well, what'd your friends think of those movies? He was like, Ah, two of them thought you were crazy. <laughs> The other one, he goes, he had a lot of questions about it and was questioning. And you know what? That was a really neat experience for me to have with my family. So, these are the kind of things that I'm very hopeful and I was really proud. That was a real proud dad moment for me, where it's like, I'm not always going to be around my kid. So, how can I help them understand what the real reason is why you wouldn't want to watch this, why you wouldn't want to watch that? And yes, there's been times that they have seen things that I disagree with, and we've talked about it, and I encourage them, but I want them to be able to make those decisions. Anybody else? You've been alluding to this, but as a room full of potential parents,、um, what are some proactive strategies that you would recommend, right, as people that who、um, might someday establish a family and a home, right, on the 
um, right from the very beginning, what are things that we can do to uh, raise our children, like proactive strategies? Don't make fun centering around media, because what you're doing, kids are going to do what you do. So, as an early age, I learned the concept really early that all my kids want to do is hang out with me. I mean, literally, if I'm outside mowing the lawn, they you know, like be out there and trimming stuff, and they'll do it because why? They just want to hang out with dad. And so, if all I'm doing is tired and I'm coming home and all I'm wanting to do is check out and watch media, that's sending them a message that that's what you do in life. And if that's the connection point that I have with my children, that's going to be problematic down the road. So I've learned to associate fun with dad, not around that. So my kids go, Dad, you want to go throw a frisbee? Dad, you want to do this? Dad, you want to do that? My kids are very active, orientated, and that is what majority of my time is spent with them. So get in the habit of finding things that center around non-electric or entertainment kind of things, and learn to figure out what those kind of activities can be. Cooking, learning something. My son actually really likes to cook, and so we'll try new recipes and stuff like that. Uh, I want to thank you for your message. Uh, one God. thing that I found that was really helpful is that you pointed out that it was a whole worldview that they're promoting. It's not just, oh, this movie has this particular problematic plot. And so when I watch movies or when I think of movies, it's curse words every other word or promoting doing all things that are the opposite of the health message or doing all the things that would keep you out of the kingdom according to scripture. And people don't even realize that they're being indoctrinated by these things, but I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said, these are the sermons people are watching. When you see them as a pattern, you saw the pattern, right? And you hear the language, and you know the language, because you've studied it. So when you hear creator, when you hear perfection, when you hear concepts like that, then your mind quickly goes, big controversy, great controversy kind of concept, and you're seeing that pattern together. If you see a pattern, you have to beg the question, why is there a pattern? What's that pattern doing? And so I think that was the most beneficial to thing to me, because I don't think it's very fair to say Hollywood sits in a room and tries to sit there and figure out how they can deceive Christians. I don't think that's actually realistic. But I think the devil suggests things to us, just like God suggests things to us, and people don't understand where those suggestions are coming from. So we're noticing a consistent thread through them, but really it's kind of like in our church, there's a very consistent thread when you go to different churches. And even to the point where I can't tell you how many times I've preached a sermon and the people that were singing the hymns up front, it was like a perfect hymn. And I was like, how did you pick that hymn knowing what I was going to preach and you don't even know what I was going to say? And it was like perfect because there's a common thread that runs through that. And so I think when you learn to see that common thread, how does this involve the kingdom of God? How does this promote the concepts that God is pointing through? And if you focus on all the things through those concepts, you will find, just like me, little by little you go, why, why do I want to watch this? Eh, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to waste my time. And I think hopefully you'll come to that same conclusion. I believe that he's asking, have I seen trends being promoted over time? Yes. I think that I recognize just as hard as the devil is fighting to put his message out. You know, isn't it interesting that, you know, it used to be really hard to watch movies. Now they're free on every channel and it's getting simpler and easier to watch them, right? Used to charge for that. Why are you wanting to give me all that access to all those things for free right now? 
right? So I see that as the devil going, I got not much time left. I need to get all these messages out. But on the same hand, I see God's people also working in, in, in simple films and things like this that I'm seeing. You know, people really care about humanity in certain levels. And so I'll see these common threads of, of things that are starting to come out. And right now in the dawn of information, we share information much quicker. For me to be able to search movies or anybody else that has this concept was a very time-consuming thing before. Do you know now, you could literally, I asked AI, I said, show me, actually, I, I tested AI, I said, look at this channel called Little Light Studios and give me a summarization of what this ministry is about. Within 15 seconds, it said, you're a ministry that's Seventh-day Adventist and you believe this and, and this is what you're promoting. And I said, now show me on the internet all the other videos that have this same thought and theology and give me a list of 20 of them. 15 seconds later, it gave me all the videos on YouTube that have the same thought. And then I said, now show me in the video that it actually has those concepts put together. And I said, write me a show that has those concepts and give me the time code of all the videos that it's in there. And 15 seconds later, it wrote me an intro all the times, use these videos, use these time codes right here, and here it is all together. And I was like, that would have taken me a week to put together. But here's the lesson. I think that things are happening faster and faster and faster, and information is being shared. And the devil knows that as we are able to share information quickly, he can't hide anymore. And so he's coming out. And as he's coming out, that gives us a greater opportunity to come out with the truth in a mightier way. I hope that's what you hear me saying. Don't run from this. Use this as an opportunity to get out there and share the truth. I hope you're inspired, and I hope that you've shared the truth with someone around you recently. And if you haven't, start small. Just ask God, give me one person I can share these truths with. Anyone else? You guys are awesome. Now don't go watch movies tonight. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I know that this is a special group that you have here in Southern California. It is a beacon of light, and I have really appreciated over the years coming and enjoying fellowship here at Advent Hope. And so I want to pray a special prayer of protection over this group that you may sustain them and continue to grow them and continue to bring young souls into this space that they may um, learn about you, but also, Lord, as we are all on a journey together, Lord, I just pray that whatever was said over the course of this weekend, that it'll, it'll really sink in and that as we enter into the end of the year and we start a new year, we're one year closer to you, Lord, help us to be true Christians. Help us to learn how to love those around us, to take those truthful concepts that we know to be true, but actually live them out in our lives, Lord. Teach us how to do that. And Lord, help us how to fall in love with truth and steer clear of unrighteousness. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.